All right, let's get this uh, party started. We'll just mute this. So there's no background feed. And uh, should we do an intro? All right. Hi, I'm Edward Mullen. You know me. Maybe you don't. <laughs> my book, Art of the Hustle, is out or will be soon. My podcast, you're listening to it now. Let's begin. That's the intro? That's our intro. Let's get going. All right. So in this article called Fun and Frugal, it talks about the difference between frugality and cheapness. So they give some examples of being cheap. It says, do you purchase the lowest priced product regardless of the quality? Whereas a frugal person would be willing to pay more for an affordable quality product. A cheap person would avoid tipping a service provider at all costs. Whereas a frugal person would tip according to the quality of service. A cheap person would pay the bill. Uh, when it comes time to pay the bill, they'd bolt out the restaurant and hope for their friends to make up the difference. A frugal person would divide up the dinner bill according to who ate what. A cheap person would pirate music and books online, whereas a frugal person would borrow books and movies from a friends or from the library. A cheap person would avoid offering to pay for their friend's coffee. A frugal person would swap back and forth between who pays for the coffee. A cheap person would show up at a dinner party empty-handed, Whereas a frugal person would encourage friends to host potluck dinners so that nobody has to shoulder the entire grocery bill. And, you know, I was reading this and it um, just made me think of uh, some situations that I've had before where people have accused me of being cheap. Where, um, you know, I don't really think I'm cheap, but I am pretty frugal. Uh, There's one example, actually, that... um, was kind of funny because it was at one of my friend's birthday parties and we'd gone out for dinner. And this was during a time when I was a student. I didn't have a lot of money. So I had purposefully eaten before I went to the party so that I could just get something small and I wouldn't have to spend a lot of money that night. So I'd ordered a salad and just had water. And... You know, at the end of the night, um, one of the guys is like, all right, so we're just going to split the bill, um, you know, eight ways or whatever, however many people were there. And we're going to pay for the cost of the birthday boy's dinner. And so, you know, I was like, well, I have no problems paying for the birthday boy's dinner. But, you know, this guy that had made the suggestion he had ordered, you know, the steak and lobster meal and had, like, uh, you know, two Caesars and, like, a Coke or something like that, right? And his meal cost significantly more than mine, probably, like, at least three times more. And I was like, well, why should I have to pay for your meal when, you know, it's, I, I don't even really know you. Like, I'm not your friend or anything, and it's not like... Uh, I should subsidize the cost of your food, right? And he was, like, accusing me of being cheap, like, oh, but you don't, it's his birthday, we should all just split the bill. And I'm like, well, no, it's it's not about paying for his meal, it's paying for your meal. So he was accusing you of being cheap, but in fact, he was the cheap one because he's trying to get a discount on his meal. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Did it make you feel cheap? Because now it draws a bunch of attention to you. And there's kind of like this stigma of being cheap in our society, right? Mm. But that's pretty smart to do that. What you're doing, right? Yeah, 
I mean, like, I didn't want to make a big, too, like, big of a deal of, about it, but I was pretty, you know, I, I felt like it was really unfair for him to do that, and now, yeah, he's making me look bad, because he's a, the kind of guy who is, like, really loud and kind of just tries to put everyone down, um, and make, make himself look better, so I, he, he's just, yeah, drawing attention to the fact that I'm supposedly being cheap. I hate that. Well, and I, I said, like, this guy was just, he didn't, he didn't, um, see why there was anything, like, wrong with that, you know, because I guess to him, maybe it just, it does all come out in a wash. Like, um, a few weeks later, actually, um, my, one of my friends that was there at the dinner went out with this guy for, um, you know, for some drinks or whatever, and I think there were, like, just, like, three of them that went out that night. And to prove a point, he decided he was going to order, like, you know, five drinks, whereas the other guys had, like, one or two or whatever. And, he, and at the end of the night, he was like, okay, well, we're just going to split the bill three ways, even though I had, like, way more than you guys did. And the guy was actually fine with it. He didn't say anything. But maybe it was because he knew he, that my friend was trying to prove a point. Right. Mm-hmm. He was trying to avoid being labeled cheap, so he yeah. did that. Yeah, I guess What so. do you think of, like, um, sometimes I do this at restaurants. If there's, like, four of us, um, we put it all in one bill, and then we put our credit cards under the table, and then we draw out a credit card. Whoever's credit card gets pulled has to pay for everybody. So you have a one in four chance of paying. You either pay, you know, 150 bucks for everybody, or you get a free meal. So it's a huge gamble, but you get a one in four chance, essentially, to get a free meal. What do you what are your thoughts about that? You do that? Yeah, I've done it a few times. I've never really? never my card never got drawn. I've never had that. I've never like had that suggested before. I guess if you're you know it's always the same people going out and you're you know you do this quite often then like you know if it's always the same group of people it could work out because I mean like the uh, chances are that eventually it should it should be like pretty even but But suppose it's only one instance it still might be in your best interest to gamble right because if you have a $30 meal I I can either pay $30 or $150 or whatever the case may be yeah wouldn't it be even if you never see these people again it's still worth the gamble because there's a big possibility that That you you might not get picked right yeah I guess so but then I guess I would still also be like dependent on like did you just have a salad and did they have like 10 drinks and a steak, right? Well, in this case, we all have the same. Yeah. We've done a few times, but we all generally eat the same stuff. I've had a situation, another situation, where this guy, a friend of mine who makes a lot more money than I do, and he keeps ordering me drinks. He's like, yeah, yeah, he'll get another one, he'll get another one. I'm like, no, I'm I'm okay, right? And he'll Mm -hmm. order me wine and order me uh, appetizers. And then the bill comes at the end, and now I have, like, a $50 bill, Mm -hmm. and I feel awkward because... I mean, do, what do I pay for this? Because I, de- I could have said no, and I did say no, but if this guy insists, who's, who in that situation uh, should pay? Because I don't want to run the risk of looking cheap, and I don't want, I want to be a man. I don't want to get another man to pay for my, my food. <laughs> yeah. What do you do if somebody's like really insistent? And you don't want to be like so against the grain that derails everybody's fun, right? Because that's, yeah. there's no, you know, that's not fun either, right? You know, like, I think it depends on, like, your situation, right? Like, if you're, um, 
I think if the person is like really insistent and you're kind of really reluctant, it kind of is like they they ought to be paying for that, right? But like if you're really like don't have the cash, then you you do have to just say no or like if you actually can't handle it or whatever you should just say no or what like i've done before is you know if i go out with drinking with friends and they're having like ton of drinks and i don't want to have that i'll just make my one drink last a really long time like you just drink it really slowly so it's like well they can't get you another drink because you're still working on this one right is that cheap or frugal well i mean i don't think that's necessarily like for one thing you maybe you can only have like three drinks or else you're gonna like pass out right and that's like a different issue right Right. but if if it's just like about money right like if you don't have the money like if that's if you can't afford it then you can't then it's just it's not that you can not afford it i have the money i just don't really want want to spend spend it on that right and i think that is that's not being but then you have this kind of awkward dance at the end of the night, like, okay, well, who's paying for this $60 bill when I just came in here for, you know, some chicken fingers or something? And you fed me wine all night. And I know how much money you make. Let's say he makes $250,000 a year. Yeah, but I don't think it should matter. Like, the the fact that if he's, like, insisting on it, like, you should either, you know, if you're going to... Things like people buying a bottle of wine and splitting it, you know, I'm really kind of against that, um... Because it's, like, unless everyone agrees on it, you know, you have to agree that, yes, this is what we want to do. I want to spend the money to have this bottle of wine, then fair enough, right? But if he's ordering a bottle of wine and, like, he hasn't, like, asked you about it, then there shouldn't be the burden for you to have to pay for it, right? He's not ordering a bottle of wine. He's ordering, like, the glass of wine for me. He says, oh, you have to try this wine. It's so good. Get this wine. No, no, it's okay. No, you have to try it. And then he goes to the signals to the bartender. Yeah, yeah, get him a glass of this. And then when it's done, she comes up. Hey, would you like a refill? I say no. He says, yeah, yeah, he'll have another one. That kind of thing. But yeah, like you're saying no, you don't want it. Like, I don't think, I mean, I would still offer to, I wouldn't just sit there and wait for him to pay for it, right? But like, as in he ought to be offering to pay for it. He should be paying for it if he's the one that's insisting for it. Like, I would never be like, tell someone to order, make them order stuff when they don't want to and then make them pay for it. Like, it's it's weird, right? Yeah, it is. And I think the whole idea of not spending money, like, not like it's not being cheap because it's not like you're going to go to the bar and order water, right? Like, I think cheap frugal is going to the bar and ordering water cheap is going to the the bar and bringing smuggling your own water in or you know i guess water is free but smuggling your own drink in that's kind of cheap right yeah or is that frugal (laughs) could be both well no that's just because you you pre-ate before your meal then that we considered frugal in this case that's just kind of like pre-drinking except instead of consuming the alcohol before you entered the club you brought it into the club so it's a matter of time I know, and it but it seems kind of weird that we make the distinction like, oh, it, outside of the the nightclub, it's it's uh, frugal. Inside the nightclub is cheap. Is that a valid distinction? I think the fact that 
you know, you're really not supposed to be bringing in outside food yeah, or drinks, right? Yeah, that's true. Right? That's the part where you you're know, willing to go that extra step, yeah, like to save a buck. You're being, you're you're going like against their rules. Like you're like, why are you going into this establishment and you're just you're ripping them off, right? You know. Um. Because okay, they okay, make okay. Money, fine, fine. Let's say you are ripping them off, but wouldn't it be them charge you $9 for a drink that you know cost them pennies? Isn't that rip them ripping you off? So, aren't you kind of justified in that? Because you can get a whole bottle of alcohol, let's say for $12, yeah, which would make say 50 drinks. I don't know how much. Just say that, right? Mm. But they have to pay for, like, the cost of running a business, right? And They're making the, a lot of money, though, in... still. Yeah. But it's, like, they're they're only able to make as much money as people are willing to spend, right? And if people... if Like, just because you don't think that this is value for money, other people do, right? And if, if enough other people think it, they're going to stay in business. Right. That's true. So you can't really fault them. It's the market that. will dictate that. Yeah. What do you think of people, and we know people like this, that pinch pennies their whole life, and but then at the in the later stages of their life, they have what other people don't have. They, you know, they have the comfort to retire early. They have the money mm-hmm. to go on vacation. They have the money to pay for their kids' education or to you know buy them accommodations or to make life easier for you know their progeny. What do you think about people that? that live a life like that because on one hand you you put off living the best life you could possibly live right yeah. because you go let's say 60 years of being cheap or frugal whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. and then maybe you live 20 right. years after that but then when you're from 60 let's say you die at 80 from 60 to 80 you're not able to enjoy a nice like sweet yeah. mountain bike you're not able to you know really enjoy the fruits of your labor you know what I mean? It's, so it's almost like you're getting robbed of it. But when you're young and you're, you know, you have, you know, $200 pairs of shoes on and you're going out drinking a couple nights a week, that's fun, right? So what's the, what do you think the, the balance should be? I think that's really hard to say, especially I think nowadays with like, you know, even if you're trying, you know, pinching pennies or whatnot, like for you to be able to retire in however many years with like a lot of money uh, for the average person that's it's not really even realistic right for us now yeah yeah you're like right. whereas back in the days like you you look like 50 years ago someone can just like be a bit more frugal and can actually end up with a, a lot of money right um and why can't maybe, we do that now? Maybe it's just more be, like living in Vancouver. It's just that the, you know, it costs so much to live here. You don't make that much money that even if... The value you, of the dollar has gone down. You know, yeah, even if you cut out a lot of um, the extras, you're still, you still wouldn't have that much left over, I feel like. I don't, I don't know if that's really accurate, but just like based on my... There's, there's a study that says in 1980, the average household saved 50% of their paycheck Mm -hmm. in 2005 or whatever. I think the study I read it a few years ago. So let's just say 2005. 
the average household spent 150% more than their income, which means they spent all their paycheck and, and then went in debt. Yeah. So is that a, a sign of the times, a sign of like uh, consumerism, or is it that things are costing more money, or what do you think that is? I think it's a... a or both? Yeah, I think it's a combination of things, right? Because, um, you know, probably 50 years ago, you could also survive on one income in a family, right? Like here, you can't survive with one income. Like unless you've got a really good wage earner, right? Like the average household needs to have two income earners. And even at that, it's like just the cost of housing. Like the basics are really, they cost more, right? In terms of how much you make. And I don't know if this is the same in other parts of the world, right? I just know that in Vancouver, like, definitely, like, my dad didn't have a an amazing job. He worked for the city, so, I mean, he made decent income, but it wouldn't have been amazing, right? But he was able to, you know, buy a house, and, um, and my mom didn't work until I was, like, halfway through elementary school, right? So... He made enough to make ends meet, um, and my it's my parents didn't have money when they you know they're immigrants right. So after they just scraped by, went to university kind of thing, moved here. Probably didn't. I'm pretty sure they didn't have a lot of money when they first moved here, but they were still able to afford, like, after. But isn't the f- a bit to do that? Like back when I was growing up, I remember the the price of a house was like you could get a really good house for say $150,000. But so you think like, well, how is, how how is it that so many people struggle when their house costs 150,000? That seems so affordable. And the difference is because there's, they don't have the cash for the 150,000. So they got to go to the bank and get a mortgage, but the mortgage rates were like 20%. Whereas now the mortgage rates are, you know, 6% or less maybe. So it's like a big chunk of your, even you're borrowing less amount, you're actually paying more interest. So it kind of works out the same, is it not? Um, well, I guess it depends on how much you have. But, I mean, eventually they were able to pay off their house over many years kind Who's of they? thing. My parents, right? right? Whereas, like, I'm just saying in comparison, nowadays, like, you, a, a city worker would not be able to afford to buy a house in this city with a single income. No way. There is maybe not even a condo. No possible way. Yeah. They'd have to save up for years to put it down on a condo. Yeah. And then it would take them twenty five years to just pay off the interest. <laughs> right. Yeah. <pretty laughs> no, it wouldn't. That's exaggeration. Yeah, but it well, would. What's this? What's the study or the stat that says like the first ten years you haven't even touched the principal? No, it's not that you haven't. You have, but it's very little. Like, um, and the thing with the mortgages is, uh, you're. Like with now, it's like you have the short-term uh, mortgages and then you have to like get a new mortgage after like five years or whatever, right? And so you're constantly only... Because um, there, I don't know what exactly the formula is. But isn't there is, some benefit in that? But it's like the 90... Yeah, for... Well, the, the thing the rate, is... Because the idea is the rates could go down, right? The rates can, it can be... Ch- can change and so then you don't want to get locked in on something and 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 like it goes both way as in you don't want to get locked in if the rates decrease and the banks don't want to get locked in if the rates increase right um but like in your first year 
like your payments, 90 some percent of it goes is just interest. And you've only paid off like a tiny fraction of the principal. And like over the years that um, the percentage decreases, decreases like of how much uh, interest to principal. Okay, so you pay $1,000 per month, let's say. And of that $1,000, they divvy it up. 990 something dollars is for interest. Okay, that's how they do it. Like in the first year. But then in the second year, like as as your mortgage progresses, it it decreases right, right like I see what as you're in saying. so like however like 15 years in maybe it'll be like five hundred dollars five hundred dollars i don't 50, know i'm just 50. making i'm just throwing out numbers right. i don't know for sure right yeah, but yeah. It's something i see you're saying that, like that, and then right? they pu- they penalize you for paying off the entire thing so if you win the lottery one day you yeah. can't pay it off they prohibit you or, or if well, they do it it's on, a penalty right it depends on what kind of mortgage you have right because you can have an open um, uh, open, but nobody's going to have open because the chances of like winning the lottery or having some lump sum yeah. is so unlikely that nobody's going to opt for that, right? But the it thing is a possibility. Is you can, that, but the open mortgages, you you end up it's a higher interest rate, right? You have to pay a premium to be able to pay it off whenever. you Yeah, want, that's what I'm saying. So nobody's right? going to opt for that. But if you happen to invent like, the snuggie or some yeah. awesome invention and have this windfall of money, you want to pay off your house. You have to pay a penalty, but they're going to get you either way. No, after five years. Or I, I can't remember if it's five years or seven years or whatever, but there is a thing where, like, legally, if you've been in this mortgage for five years, you they have to let you pay it off. There oh, okay. Of it. With, like, there, there will probably be, still be a penalty, but it's not, like, exorbitant. My very first computer, when I went to college, I bought a computer for a Dell, and it cost me, I think, $1,500, because a Dell, you can kind of build it, right? Yeah. And I opted for this payment plan because I was broke. I paid like 66 bucks a month or something like that yeah. and to, to pay it off. Well, I paid off like, say, let's say $1,000 of it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I call up Dell. I'm like, hey, listen, I want to pay off the other 500 They're like, no. We want you, we have a, uh, you locked in. You can't do that. We have you locked in. You have to pay your $66 a month. So it took me like four years to pay this thing off. <laughs> and by the end of it, I paid like... $2,500 for yeah. a $1,500 computer yeah. that's now four years old or five <laughs> years old. It's it's so stupid, right? Yeah. What choice did I have at the time, right? Mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't afford $1,500 up front, but, but that's it's the whole oh, idea. So stupid, that's right? how they get you, right? And I think that's the thing, you know, and we've talked about this before, about how people don't realize it. Like, when you're paying for things on a credit card or, um, you know, when you're using, like, debt to finance things you're paying a lot more for it in the end than what it initially cost it always boggles my mind how it seems like people don't really care about like i'm not anti-debt because you can actually use that debt to leverage and to accumulate wealth that's Mm -hmm. very obvious and a lot of people do that what i'm saying is like bad debt where you buy nice clothing or or you go out constantly and you eat at nice restaurants when you're not rich Mm -hmm. that seems kind of stupid right so many people do that at least in this city yeah it's like you know people constantly have shopping bags in their hands you want to like ask them hey man are you rich are you rich yet (laughs) what are you doing you're 22 and you have like all this like fly gear on yeah that's kind of stupid right there's so many people in this in this world they don't Mm -hmm. they kind of considering how difficult it is to make money and how you know, anything of value, it costs so much of it. You would think that people wouldn't give their money away so frivolously, so frivol, frivolously, so frivolously, they would hold on to it. But that's not the case. 
So do you think that's just poor poor money management, or do you think they've made a, a justification in their, ma- their mind saying, well, I'm young and I want to live my life now, and, and looking good will actually benefit me in life because then people will be friends with me and girls want to date me and people want to hire me and it'll boost my confidence and, and I'll have a happy life. Whether if I wear this like you know five dollar Mickey Mouse shirt uh, for you know until it get until it disintegrates, that won't make me very popular with the you know friends or ladies or you know job interviews. Do you think is it like a justification rather than just some like you know self serving ego boost? Well, I think that it probably has like a combination like like you know when you're saying about the uh 50% debt versus 150% debt now like what's causing it is that more gizmos there's more gadgets nowadays you could spend your money on stuff you you have uh, xbox ps3 nintendo wii back in the day you had one thing atari and that that sucked right (laughs) well i mean but then like at the time that was amazing right like and i think and there were probably you know there were probably a bunch of gadgets back then as well it's just that that's the only one that really made it i see what you're saying um and And computers were like 10 grand so there was ways to spend your money there are definitely i think it is a combination of i think people are becoming more consumeristic i don't know if that's a word that's not a word how do you it might be consumeristic yeah how what do you what's the let's google that that's not a word i challenge (laughs) okay but um what's the word then we're about to find out consumeristic consumeristic the free dictionary it's a word consumerist yeah uh it's consumerism consumerist consumer all right, it's the adjective. I sent the corrected. adjective. All yeah, right. I think people are, are becoming are they are more consumeristic now than people were in the past. And and also there is more like kind of more gadgets and things um, to spend on, and it's a combination of also like poor money management, financial skills, or like just not not knowing any better and um and also wanting to seem like you have it like it seems like people's image is like so important right they want to give off this at least like in in our city here like people are always trying to give off the the impression that they're wealthy and have money right that is so true i used to work at like uh clothing stores and You'd have these kind of like thuggy guys. It's kind of like the same genre of person. Like this guy with like you know, a, a back in the day it'd be like you know, full on Jordan velour suit with uh, you know Air Force Ones. He's kind of like yeah. the 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 thuggy kind of hip hoppy shoe collector guy, right? And he'd just be like chucking stuff on the counter. I'm like, hey man, you want this? Yeah, yeah, whatever. I'll take two of those. You got that in black? Yeah, I'll take that too. And he's trying to really portray the image of success, but. He, I think people like this, like, um, are trying to, it's like they're, uh, frick, what's the like, word I'm looking for? It's like, you know, rich people don't act like that, right? Yeah. You know, he's trying to give off, you know, when you're like, you're lying and you're trying to hide yourself from the lie, so you oversell it. Yeah. But if you were just actually telling the truth, you would just, you wouldn't go that extra mile to oversell mm-hmm. it. That's kind of what he was. He wanted to make it seem, disguise the fact that he's broke so much so that he's overdoing it by, yeah, we'll get this, we'll get that, we'll get this. And he might have, you know, 
three grand in the bank account and he just drops 1200 in the store. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he is able to spend 1200 and a lot of might, you know, some other people might not be able to do that, but at the end of the day, he's not rich with three grand. What's that going to do? You're not, you know, but for a couple months, you're going to look like the man, right? (laughs) There's so many people I met like that. And I actually have no, like, you know, in some cases I don't know if they actually are rich, but I'm pretty sure they're not. Uh, in some cases their credit cards declines and start after putting things back. Um, so yeah, like, so, so that's one thing. The other thing is that, um, like how much of it is, oh, okay, no, no, this is, never mind. that sentence was going nowhere. This other person I used to know would be so afraid that you would think that she did not have money, that she was the easiest sell. So if you're in like, um, uh, shopping with her and you know how like the, you know, the customer service rep try to like, um, do add-ons, right? Like, Hey man, do you want, um, some socks to go with your shoes? Do you want some shoe spray to go with your shoes? Do you want a mm-hmm. belt with your jeans? You know how they try yeah. to upsell you. Whatever you, that person said, that person would say, yes, I do want that. <laughs> and she would just nod kind of like, like some empress, like, yeah, I'll take that. But it's like, that's so stupid. Who, yeah. who are you trying to impress? Some like minimum wage mall worker <laughs> who, you know what I mean? Like who cares what that person thinks? But you're just spending all this money on this overpriced stuff that you don't need. I know, like me and you, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, we have tons of things that we have that we never use. I have a, a $90 book. I bought a $90 yeah. book that I've never read. I don't have tons of things I don't use. Most That's of us do, true. though, right? We have clothing that we... What's the 90 You I'm paid not, $90 for a yeah. book that wasn't a textbook? It... Yeah. The what? the justification for it was, was that it? because I went through school for the last, you know, five years and a $130 book was quite common. So I'm like, well, if I'm willing to justify, it was for a stock book. Uh, if I'm willing to justify spending $130 on a psychology book that I'm using three months, why not spend 90 on um, a stock technique book that might make me more money? And this might justify why? the 90 bucks. Why didn't you read it then? Because I bought, it's a long story, but I bought uh, like 30 books in one shot. Because oh <laughs> I wanted to know everything there was to know about the stock market and stock trading. And I got through about 80% of them. And this one, I just didn't get through. I, I knew a lot of the stuff in it already. It's um, the Japanese candlesticks. I would have gone so, like, you know, let's read the most expensive one first. <laughs> I, but I already, I borrowed a candlestick book off my friend. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to buy my own candlestick book. And this one came highly recommended. So I just bought it for my collection thinking, oh, I'm going to have a long, successful career as a stock trader. I may as well have all the tools at my disposal. Oh, and I'm willing to spend whatever it takes because I need to educate myself, right? I guess so. I so guess that's it a long wasn't story, like but a novel, but... It wasn't a novel, no. <laughs> but still, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I've had to spend like, you know, a hundred bucks or more on like textbooks and stuff back when I was in school, but... You can justify it. No, I was like, I was always like, man, is there any way I can get this any cheaper? And I'll be like looking for used copies, looking on chapters, looking at all sorts of websites, trying to get anything Do you ever um, partner up with a person in class, say, hey man, we can split this and we'll photocopy it or something like that? Yeah, well, we've done that a lot. It's like, especially when it's like photocopied readouts, right? It's like, yeah. you're not even getting a book and you have to pay like $80 for it. That's probably kind of being cheap, you know, um, more so than just frugal because I'm, but still like that, you know, you're, when you're, especially when you're a student and you don't have 
the money it's like what what do you think like we're we're students we're already paying so much to like take this ridiculous course and now we have to pay an extra like however much money for these pieces of paper that we're gonna read one time and then never look at again yeah and most of that stuff you don't actually need i realized later on in my scholastic career that i could get by without reading the book in a lot of cases i just didn't buy it and I would, you know, have supplemental reading online or I just use my own kind of common sense to write essays or whatever. And in some cases, you, you can't really do that. Yeah. But, you know, no, in a lot of cases, sense. you can, right? Like, oh. you just go to the bookstore yeah. and sign it out for free or whatever. Yeah. And The library? The yeah, 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 the library. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I had this one class that I took at UBC, actually, that... Um, it was kind of like a 200 level course and I taken the 100 level course and um, it, a lot of the stuff was similar to the 100 level course and that was the most boring textbook in the world. So I kind of like glanced through the textbook that we had for that course and then I decided that I didn't think I needed it and I didn't buy it. I The assignments were based, you had to like get it off of the book though. And I went to the bookstore every time we had an assignment, and I just did the assignment at the UBC bookstore. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm not paying, because, you know, there's some classes you know you're not going to pursue this. You're not going to, it's not like you. There's any value. Ex- there's no, yeah, like you're never yeah. going to look at this book again afterwards, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, like, and then a, a lot of my textbooks I resold too. Like, I've on, I only have a, you know, a few textbooks from like all my years of schooling that I've kept because there's only a few that I actually felt were valuable in any way right why is it that textbooks are so expensive is it that the manufacturer is charging the university a lot for them or is it the university knowing that you need them and they kind of have a monopoly it's like we are going to have a course which you have to take for your degree so and you have to buy this book so why not just charge you 130 bucks for it um i think there is both because you know a lot of times if there's books that are sold at the university if you're able to find it online like on chapters or more you'll find out it's significantly cheaper like i had a stats textbook that cost like you know a hundred something dollars at the bookstore and and we paid like maybe 60 bucks for it off of chapters. That's still quite a bit for a book. It is, right? But I think a lot of the textbooks, the reason why they're, they might be more expensive is because there's like so much research that goes into it. There's like a different people that collaborate on it or whatnot. And the paper and is really glossy and thick and Not even necessarily. Images. You know, I've, like cases, my stats right? textbook was a black and white book and it had like a crappy designed cover. So it you wasn't know what bothers even me? nice. If... Um, I'm pretty sure Vancouver, it's been voted uh, the best city in the world to live in, you know, a couple years in a row. I think we lost the last year. Well, we're always in the top three, though. Yeah, this city is so sought after. And because of that, the land is so expensive. It's so, it's, I think it's one of the most expensive places in the world to live in, which is saying a lot. Now, if you don't know, the University of British Columbia is on a massive plot of land called the endowment lands which i'm assuming that means that did the government give that to them they're endowed with that <laughs> i don't know point of my yeah. story is these cats have so much money if you go to ubc it's oh, beautiful yeah. they've, they've got brand new buildings everywhere here's the kicker no the kicker's not coming yet wait for it <laughs> they charge you so much money they nickel and dime you for parking they nickel and dime you for like you know all the 
uh, meals at the student union. Um, or, sorry, that's you're not gonna know what that means. The nickel and dime for all like in the cafeteria, that's expensive. The books are expensive. They have like these posters that they sell. Those are expensive. The classes are twice as much as you can get the exactly the same class at college. At the end of the day, oh, one more thing. And they sell you when you graduate your degree. <laughs> yeah. You can have that. But I'm pretty sure you have to apply to graduate and that's like a probably $150 processing fee. No, I don't think Okay, you fine. Know. I made that I up. Know. But the the frame that your degree goes in is what? How much? Like $150 for a Yeah, for a that's only for frame? the fancy one though. Okay. That's, that's the one with the emblem and okay, like but still, but still. Here's the kicker. These I'm not going to say it, but these people call you call alums after uh they graduate and try to get more money out of them as a donation they kind of you know have their hat in hand with their pockets uh pulled out and they're like hey man like listen times are tough and the university really needs your support and you know you had a good time here right and and made a lot of connections a lot of friends and you, you probably found a job and you're working now you think you could uh give us a donation have you had that call yet I used to get those calls all the time, but I what? think they just they're have trying my house to get number, money out so. of you after like bleeding you dry for four years or five years in my case, and they just want a little bit more. <laughs> just get the squeeze on you a little bit more. Isn't that kind of gross? Yeah. What's but up with that? You know what? If you think that are okay, I don't know because I um you went to school a few years after me, and I think the it costs a lot more already by then right um, it was it was going i went from a college uh when i was where i was paying probably like 250 to 350 dollars per course uh then i went to the university of british columbia and the courses were around 400 they started on 400 to 450 so already i noticed a significant increase from college but then like almost instantly it just kept going every year it's like we're up, gonna raise yeah. it 35 bucks we're gonna raise it you know another 45 dollars by the end it's like 650 dollars for a class it's so expensive man i think that when i went to school it was only like when i like in my first year i think my tuition was only about like 2500 dollars or something for the year for 10 <sighs> courses wow it, like that is really it cheap. was way cheaper right um and like in universities here are already way cheaper than like in the states like in the states it's even it's like more expensive unless you go to like the state university or something i don't know there it's probably because there's more people in the states right supply and demand but the thing is that they have there's different levels right there's some that are really cheap and then there's like you know more prestigious ones they they charge you so much right like i mean i have no idea how much it costs to go to like uh, Harvard or whatever, but I'm sure it's like it's not cheap. I think it's really like thirty expensive. grand per semester. It's something ridiculous, yeah. You know, and it's like, but it's not like they're the education's any different. It's not like they're teaching you new stuff. It's like this is the stuff that we don't teach you in the community college. Okay, no, everyone gather around. It's the same stuff, and the I teachers think it could. Be, it can't be the same stuff. I think Sarah, listen to what you're saying. You're saying there's a book on psychology, and they're studying Freud at a community college for two hundred fifty dollars, or they're studying Freud at Harvard for thousands of dollars. The professor's education is probably very similar. Their, their teaching ability is probably so. very similar. No way. Do you think? At no. Harvard, they're telling you secrets that's not in the community college. You have to pay more money, and then we'll tell you the real good no, stuff. No, no, not that's that it's bogus. Not that it's secret. The right? only reason you pay that is because the prestige that you get when you apply for a job and you have the word Harvard on your uh, resume, and that's 
the value. But a lot of people that go to Harvard, I, apparently they don't get jobs. They just create their own jobs because that was from the Facebook movie. <laughs> what? He no, said most I, people that go here, they don't get jobs. Yeah, they just create their own, right? But I think, I definitely think there is a difference in the level of the Slightly, teaching. slightly. Maybe, maybe. I mean, because did you not notice? Did you think that your college teachers, you, you had, some of your yeah. college professors sounded like totally crazy. Hey, so. uh, that's not true. Take that back. I said some. Who? Like the guy who thinks that only okay, women, yeah. men can have. That, yeah. Okay. That fine. That guy is crazy. Man. Here's the, here's the <laughs> difference. You might get a teacher in a college who doesn't care as much because they're making let's say fifty grand a year, or someone uh you know at UBC makes one hundred twenty grand a year or something like that. So you you know you're kind of vying for your job. You want to do the best and do the research and and you know, give back to the college. So your knowledge is, you know, current or whatever. The college guy is maybe just a job, just like being a high school teacher. He doesn't really care. Uh, that's number one. Number two, you might get a better education at a college because the class size is smaller, right? Whereas, and they have more time for you after class where you go to like the office hours and they sit down with you for a bit and, and chat about stuff at university. Uh, the TA marks all your stuff. Um, you try to get, a uh, uh, appointment with the professor and he kind of writes you off like you know you're wasting his time and there's a class of 400 so you can't ask as many questions because if 10% of the class asks questions in both cases it'll take a lot longer for you to answer you know 40 students questions rather than four in mm-hmm. respectively right so I in theory you could get a better education in a college uh, maybe for like more basic things like kind of you know your intro level stuff but like that's one of the things like maybe they're not teaching you secret things but definitely like at, at bigger universities like they're doing a lot of research right they're researching into like kind of uh the like cutting edge things right so you may have access to like new research and information and like what's going on it, like in that field that your college professors have no idea about right it's possible um how many times does your teacher assign readings that he actually wrote he or she actually wrote or are you saying that the the teachings come from in the in, in form of lectures because usually the lectures are from the book and from a curriculum not from his own personal research or her own personal research. So what you're saying doesn't really seem valid. Depends what you're taking, right? Like okay, fine. In all I my mean, years of university, I can't think of one example. No, that's not true. Uh, the crazy guy in Capilano College, which is now Capilano University, made me read his own book. Well, not me, but everybody, the class. There's a I few instances where we read the teacher's own stuff, but not often. No, but I'm not saying just reading their own stuff. And by the way, that it comes from a college. So that's not even from a university. This is a college no, professor saying, that did it. I, but I'm not saying they're making you read their own books, right? Because by the time everything gets published and whatnot, then it's already like old news, right? I'm saying about whatever is going on right now that's being researched at that mo- like at that time. I mean, and I don't know, like, you know, being in... Like, when I was doing taking psychology and stuff, we would have to take part in psychology experiments and whatnot. I guess I the know, nature right? of the courses I took, I took a lot of philosophy yeah, classes. This so stuff is really ancient, different. right? Nobody's yeah. re, you know, reinventing the wheel. It's like all those arguments are 
um, yeah. have been discussed so that's for the thing. centuries. I think it really depends on what you're taking, right? And I think even like in terms of class sizes, like I had university classes where, you know, we we didn't have more than like 30, 40 That's people true. I remember that. My, I just took courses that were not that My like, uh, metaphysics popular. class had eight people in it. It was it was it was kind of a hard class. Okay. Yeah. But... It was it was hard in the sense that um, you had to really stay abreast of the readings because you know you're gonna get called on four or five times during. It was actually a three hour class, so people are gonna find out pretty quickly, and you don't want to be the dumb guy in class, right? <laughs> well, there's <laughs> only eight people, and it, yeah, like so. I think you know universities, like especially your first two years, you. I, I'm pretty sure you can take the equivalent kind of courses in a college and very possibly get like a, a better education that way because um, in these giant lectures in universities, you're not getting any like kind of personal like attention at all, right? Um, but I think in universities, I was like, as the further you get into something, right, you're not going to be, I, I, I think that like when you get, it really like more deeper into any kind of subject matter like you're you're able to do that in a university in a way that maybe you wouldn't but aren't you kind of assuming that most people learn the same way like couldn't you just get the same education by going to the library and reading all the stuff that people in college take and in fact in theory oh, yeah. you might even be smarter since you can go at your own pace and um you can I like, say like uh, uh, if you have a degree in psychology, it's going to take you four years uh, to to get the degree, and there's huge gaps in between one class and another, right? If you take like the entire summer off, for instance, or uh, you you meet three times a week, for instance. Whereas if you're took out the psychology book from the library and you studied, you read the entire thing eight hours a day, every single day, you could pour through it and then you could be on to the next level stuff you could be smarter if you learned like that the only thing that would you would kind of be missing out on is the assignments and the feedback you know very few people are going to create their own assignments and write you know psychology essays when they don't have to um but i think that you know and that's kind of where you learn that can do that definitely is a really smart person right but how many people can just pick up a book on any subject read it and that actually understand what's going on and like be able to learn it and be motivated enough to do that. I think that's the key. I think most people could do it. It's the motivation. I mean, you got a nice day off, it's sunny outside and you're inside studying eight hours of psychology when you don't have to. Yeah. But if there's an exam next week, it kind of forces you to do that, right? Mm, and, And I think that like, yeah, just like reading it, you might have the knowledge, right? But like it's through like you know, discussing it or, like, thinking about it in different ways, like, doing the assignments and stuff, that's how you, like, actually make something of that knowledge, right? It's, it, reading a textbook, you, like, I, I disagree. Of- the, the latter half of my uh, degree, I, I shouldn't say the latter half, because um, I did maybe five or six, I can't really remember, a distant, distance ed courses in my last year, mm-hmm. right? So I just, studied the book and I finished a course in about three weeks that was like the average sometimes faster sometimes you know take me four weeks and I would cruise through it I'd just do it like an assignment a day or sometimes two assignments a day and I couldn't I couldn't justify sitting in class anymore because you have a bunch of people wasting your time with 
silly questions or you know irrelevant arguments and you know some people just like to hear themselves talk so they they tell a story and they you know they they really want to tell their story but kind of doesn't really have anything to do with anything have you met those people right so it's almost more of a time waster to be in class and the discussion i don't find is that valuable i've learned stuff on my own it wasn't really on my own because i was kind of on a you know, it was part of the curriculum. I had to do it. So it kind of forced me in that way, but I just learned it on my own and I felt my understanding was really high and my grades reflected that. No, but I'm not saying about like, dis- I took distance at courses, like I did one or two or something, but I'm not seeing the discussion, but like actually having assignments to do, right? Like, you know, like for you to just read about something, you're not necessarily like really considering what you're reading. I don't know. I guess it also just depends on the kind of person you are, right? That's like, true. A lot of the times I, I don't know where I stand on an issue until I write about it. Yeah, like without having to like actually consider and think about something and like process it. Like you haven't really, you, it's like you just have facts. You don't really, may not have the knowledge about it. There's so many instances where I begin an essay and I start arguing for one position and then halfway through I realize I'm wrong and I switch camps and I go the other way how many times does that happen to you I'm like no 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 this is wrong never because I don't start or then you sw- and then you switch back I, and I know wait a minute I had to write the first time I don't start writing until I decided what I'm gonna write about I, I yeah but you don't know where you, I, it's like should we you know be ethical to animals and it's like I don't know where I stand on that issue let's it, find out I start writing and I'm like no wait my argument sucks. But that's what I mean is that, yeah, like there's definitely times where I've started an assignment and not known which side I really stood on or thought I stood on one side. But then I do my research and I do a lot of research on all of my papers. I will have, I will do a lot of reading and like look up stuff and then I take all of my notes and then I formulate my ideas and my argument. Like I will do it like my, the outline of my whole paper before I start writing it. Okay, I don't do that. See, we have a really different style. So I would never have started a I, I, I would do I as writing. much as possible to not do research. I just come from my brain. It's like, where do I stand on the issue? Well, I don't know. Let's f- dig around the old brain noodle and find out what I got. The old brain attic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but what if it's like something you don't know anything about, right? That's what, like, I mean, I had, I remember I wrote a paper once about fighting in hockey, in ice hockey. And so my, initially, I was, like, against it. And then I did some research on it and, you know, read some stuff about it or whatnot. I wrote my paper, actually, for, in favor of fighting. What's your argument? Um, uh, uh, this was, like, you know, 10 years ago that I wrote this, so, um, I don't Well, really where do you stand on the issue today? Um, but I, I haven't really considered it. But, like, I'm still, like, for fighting Why? based on what I had wrote before. Um, I think that the main kind of thing was that there's a lot of things that get missed um, by referees, like little cheap shots and stuff, right? And a lot of those cheap shots are actually more, um, they have a greater chance of bringing serious injury to a player than a fight. Like, one has... How often do you get seriously injured from, like, actually, like, pulling off the gloves and fighting in an ice hockey game? It's not, you know, like, for and, um, for players to know that there is the risk that someone's going to go after them and 
it's like a deterrent to do some of those cheap shots like hooking I don't know you know whatever like something that could be a minor penalty but like that could just get missed by refs on the surface I see your argument it kind of is a is a self-checking mechanism right because yeah. uh, it keeps people honest Bill Burr has a joke about this where he's like, that's the reason why a lot of women are assholes because it's socially unacceptable to hit a woman that there's no consequences for their actions. Mm-hmm. He's like, he's like, if I could go around, uh, if it was socially unacceptable to hit me, I'd be the biggest asshole. I'd be like knocking people's you know, <laughs> drinks out of their hand. Yeah, fuck you, right? Yeah. So yeah, I see your point, but um, I guess I'd have to look at the stats because like how many people, I guess I, my, my worry is like people like Gretzky who, you know, try to play the game honest and then, uh, you know, they maybe do something inadvertently and now they're getting a knuckle sandwich, right? But I think the thing is they know, you know, like, they realize when something is done inadvertently versus something that's done purposefully, right? And but isn't, I don't like, a, a, usually a, a, a fighter, like, a quote-unquote goon, isn't that, like, somebody who's, you know, pretty much from a very young age been groomed to play this sport, so they've been... They've foregone their uh higher level of education and they've been kind of they're like a less of a player they've been kind of brought in to fight people so they're kind of have this thug mentality and they're not very rational to begin with they're not educated so they're not likely to have the higher you know mental faculties to differentiate uh between an inadvertent play and somebody's intentional play right but i don't think it's it's not their decision to make right usually it's like what are you saying as in like the thug that's, that's, that guy that's why that's he's on he, the team that's why he's on the team right but it's not like he just sees it it's it, it seems more like of a the team sends him out kind of thing like but to doesn't do they okay, because but how, okay. they decided <laughs> okay but if that's true that's kind of creepy right it's like okay that's essentially assault. We're going to hire this guy, literally hire him. We pay him a lot of money to sit on the bench. So if anybody messes with our team, you go kick his ass. And that's it's like, okay, yeah, what, time to earn your paycheck. Let's go. Kick that guy's ass. All right, boss. And you go over there, or it'll be coach. All right, coach. And you go over there yeah. and you, like, if that was in any other situation in life, that would be a crime, right? And then you have people like Todd Bertuzzi who uh, nailed that other guy. I don't yeah. know his name. And, uh... That was a sucker punch, right? Obviously, that guy's injury was a result of uh, subsequent dogpiling. Mm -hmm. But still, and I should should preface that that guy, the reason why Bertuzzi sucker punched him is because he cheap shotted somebody i can't really remember the story do you remember you know what i'm talking about yeah I totally he like he like boarded about, somebody yeah, and then totally a cheap shot and so he had to retaliate right and that's the thing is like it's his presence on the team is supposed to be like a deterrent for the other team to do anything is it kind of like know, an army in a country it's yeah. like you can't invade us because we have the biggest army in the world if you mess you, with you, us you there's gonna be consequences us, there's gonna be consequences whether right? we enact that or not to, yeah, like, just know that that... It, I think that's kind of the thing. I mean, like what I is... said, it, 10 years, a lot of things change, right? So I don't know that, um, I don't know what my revised... But, but couldn't you just say that, like, are... there's other deterrents? Like, couldn't you say, like, like the other day when we were at the, uh, the liquor store, we go into the liquor store and you pick out a six-pack of something, or like cranberry... Grapefruit ale. Grapefruit ale. And you also pick out a can of something else. Ricordelay. Ricordelay, whatever that is. 
Um, and I happen to, you're taking your sweet time, and I held the can while you looked at the other stuff. You finally picked out your thing, walked to the counter. I placed the can on the counter. You placed the six pack on the counter, and you didn't have your ID. And in, I think it's British Columbia law or Canadian law or whatever, the person on the BC law, if the person puts it on the counter, does not have their ID, the entire transaction's void. So no, not necessarily true. Like the person, like I, I was able to buy the can because you put it on because the I put it on the counter, but because you put the six pack on the counter, I cannot pay for that. Nope. So even though I had my ID, so the and the reason why the guy was such a stickler for the rules is because if he got caught and I happened to be an undercover liquor inspector, uh, he would get fined five hundred seventy five dollars. That store and every other franchise like chain that's a part of that store would also be uh, closed for closed two for two weeks. And that would put all your coworkers, uh, put a financial penalty on all your coworkers for an action that you did. So it's in your best interest and you're most likely going to get fired. So it's a huge incentive for you to follow mm-hmm. that law or that rule. Couldn't we have something like that in the NHL yeah. where, or in sports where if you do something, we're going to fine you, yeah. suspend you and maybe do something like do something else like and I think I said that in my in my paper, if I remember correctly, I said that I'm for hockey, I mean, finding in ice hockey at this time because there is nothing better in place, right? Whether or not I'm for fighting in general, like probably not, right? But um, but there isn't, you know, like if the ref misses something, and I think this is true in most sports, there's no, there's nothing they will do. For, you will get no kind of um, recourse. Yeah, there's they don't do anything to you, right? Like, as long as the ref does not see it, it doesn't matter that it's recorded and, you know, everyone can see it and you've done something really, like, cheap and terrible or whatever. Ref missed it, you get away scot-free, right? Isn't there some other legal way you could you could retaliate? Uh, like, a, well, a really like... stiff body check that's legal right to the chest? Like... You don't have to really punch him in the face. Yeah, but you know, like, the fights aren't even, like, serious fights usually, right? What do you mean? They're, like, really, you know, ice... You're fighting fighting on ice, and when you get knocked out, you do a face plant on hard ice, and then if nobody comes and scoops you up, your face and your bloody face freezes on the ice. I know, but how how many How many hockey players do you know are missing teeth? Like, that's quite common, right? Maybe not a result of fighting, but it's probably at least some where they get their teeth knocked out what, or they get yeah, what, yeah, concussed. Yeah, like a hockey player that I met had, like, bro- messed up broken nose. There you go. What, what, what do the rock call it? The thunder duster or a, a, a uh, knuckle? No a thunder? Idea. I don't remember. But, um, I don't know. Like, I just, I think I don't, they're, they don't usually get, like, seriously injured, though. I don't think. All right. Like I think when I when I did my research at the time, there were more serious injuries from like cheap shots, cheap shots than there were from fights, and that's why I had that position. It's a decent argument. I'll give you that. I see what you're saying, but I think I got an in, A on my paper. Oh, <laughs> uh, congratulations! So, in, in lieu of uh, any other thing, that seems like the best solution at this current moment, but it could be. 
it could be replaced by a better system. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not saying that that this is the best way, right? Like, I don't think it's the best way, but it's kind of like, for now, it is. I, I think the idea, my argument was that getting rid of fighting in hockey would create a bigger problem at this point, if you didn't do it. One thing else. that you're kind of focused on, and... Uh, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, but you were focusing on the game and how it would kind of affect the gameplay. Whereas another aspect and probably equally relevant and valid is the um, entertainment value. How many, how oh, many, the if there was no, so much more if there was, entertaining. <laughs> if there was no fights in hockey, how many people, how many more people would stop watching? And how much, that would impact revenue and impact, you know... Yeah, I don't know that there's a lot of people that would stop watching, but I think that it does bring a good entertainment Oh, factor. come on. When you're... I, I've gone to hockey games, and, and you're kind of sitting, ho-hum, watching this game. A fight breaks out. Yeah. Everyone immediately gets alert. Oh, my God, get him! But I you think because there's... Aren't there, like, certain leagues that there's, it doesn't allow fighting, right? Isn't there no fighting, like, in the Olympics hockey and... Right. Stuff, yeah, yeah, right? exactly. I don't know about the European League, whether or not... I know. I remember I looked into this at the time, but I don't remember anymore. But the reason why is because these players are probably of... This is going to be speculation, but don't you think it's like the best of the best? The highest caliber athletes? So you don't have any kind of goon mentalities. These people don't necessarily have to cheat and slash. I'm. I'm that's probably a gross yeah, exaggeration because... Because uh, if my statement was true, then there'd be like real, you know, relatively no penalties, right? But that's not true. But because if you're playing with like a bunch of you know Sidney Crosby's and Wayne Gretzky type players, these players probably are on the up and up. They play a higher level of game where they don't need to, uh, you know, do do cheap shots, right? But the other thing is, you know, for something like the Olympics, it's like countries, like so many countries where like their level of hockey play is like nowhere near like, you know, like North America, North American kind of standards or like Russian standards or, you know, whoever the top countries are, right? right. Like, and like their players are unfortunately not amazing, right? Yeah. So what are you saying? That those... You would expect more cheap shots from crappy players? Well, well, I mean, if that's what you're... You you know, like, not... Just because they're in the Olympics... Well, why is... Well, I'm trying to figure out why is there no fight... Like, okay, there's no fighting in the Olympics, but is it because there is more on the line? It's like, if, if I get suspended... Our country might not win the gold, so I'm not willing to risk that. But if there's just an exhibition game and, you know, you play the Calgary Flames, you know, 10 times a year and I get to spend a few games, oh, who cares? It's no fighting in the Olympics. It's because it's one of, it's it's an Olympics rule, I think. No, I know. Right? It's because the Olympics have a thing where Sarah, I realize that. My point is not that. My point is they can get away with no fighting and... It contradicts your argument. You're saying that you need fighting to keep people in check. But But the Olympics is an example where you don't. And I'm thinking there's got to be another checking mechanism. And that's because you don't want to not lose the gold, right? You you don't want to... Yeah, I think because there's there's only so many games. Like, you make one... You you know, yeah, you make one bad move and it can, like, ruin it for your country, right? There you go. It but that be. same kind know. of thing is not on the line with an exhibition game. But then what about the playoffs? There's so many fights in the playoffs, right? No, there isn't. Is there? There's way less. 
I don't know. There was like the last time I was watching some games, there was like a fight every game. What game? You just made that up. No, I swear. There hasn't been hockey in months. I know, but when I... I swear there was lots of fighting. Oh, well, okay, that's not a really compelling argument. I don't know. We should probably wrap this up. Right? Is there anything else you want to talk about? Um, I don't know. What were we saying about... We're talking about being cheap. Being cheap. I'm not cheap, okay. Yeah, I'm not cheap either. Okay, (laughs) bye-bye.